Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, back in the place to be with the kid, BJ Armstrong. BJ, we took off last week. It is good to be back. It is good to to see your face. It is good to uh, get back to basketball, which is apparently and officially coming back later in July. We'll get to all that, but first I just want to say welcome back to the program, and uh, I'm happy to keep pushing through together. I feel like uh, after last week and everything that's been going on, I needed to clear my throat. Mm -hmm. So let me clear my throat here. It's uh, it's been a lot, my good friend. Been a lot of things going on, and uh, hopefully uh, everyone out there is safe. Hopefully you're safe. And uh, but it was it was a lot going on, and uh, you know I thought, given the respect of the climate in the world right now, that we just kind of digest everything that happened and uh but i'm glad to be back this week glad to be back you know we're gonna keep pushing through literally and uh moving forward but uh it was it was a lot going on last week and uh i'm sure like everyone else we were able to take in and try to make sense of everything that's been happening all around us Absolutely. And uh, we just want to say to, to all of our listeners out there, all the pushing through people, you know, we, we, we've seen the statements that have been put out by a lot of people. And uh, for, for you and I, what we wanted to do was take a step back and we wanted to digest. And, and for me personally, I wanted to listen being a, you know, uh, as you know, BJ, I don't I don't think this is shocking to you. I'm a white male um, from from North Carolina. So um, a lot of these things are pointing conversations and, and I've seen them up close and personal being from where I'm from. And, uh, you know, you and I can only speak to our own personal personal experiences, but, right. um, I, have I've been, uh, it's been a blessing, uh, but also, um, a, a situation that has been going on for, for far too long in this country. And we both understand that. And you, you mentioned the DJ cool song, let you clear your throat. I mean, you know, some of y'all might not know this. And if some of y'all don't, some of y'all might be with us and some of y'all won't. And that's kind of where we are. You know what I mean? That that's where we are in the world. Um, we're with it. We want to keep pushing through and, uh, we want to keep sharing our personal stories and, uh, and, and keep sharing the good word together because, uh, that's what that's what we enjoy doing on this program, and I, and I think that's uh that's what basketball is able to uh to get us to that point. And, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, BJ, the NBA is back. Um, I don't know really what to expect. Um, you can't fault the players if they're not in shape because of, you know, this has been a very unusual situation to say the least. And then you're you're going to give them three weeks to basically train couple of exhibition games before I think it's eight games I think that's what they've what they've laid out mm-hmm. so and on top of it you know you're going to be playing in basically a, a foreign place right you're going to mm-hmm. be playing in Florida it looks like Orlando is, is the spot and then um, you know are you going to have home court who's away who's home court and then the biggest thing is there's going to be no fans and uh, so I don't know what this is going to look like is it going to look like glorify practices is this going to be how are you going to cheer the you have the social distancing are the guys going to be sitting six feet apart from one another how many players what if someone gets hurt so forth and so on so we'll see how this turns out i think the idea sounds great um of trying to get back but how this is going to be executed i'm just as interested as anyone else because you're going to be playing games basically in three weeks after you start practicing and anyone who's played knows that you know if you're competing and you're playing for what these teams are playing for you got teams that are trying to get into the playoffs you have other teams trying to seeding and so forth i think uh it's going to be a very unusual 
looking situation. I don't know how great the game is going to look, you know, um, but the idea of coming back is interesting and uh, we'll see how it plays out. The idea is great. And, and the idea in a vacuum, right, PJ, is, is we're all excited, right? We, we got Disney World, we got Mickey Mouse, we got basketball, we got the biggest stars in the game, and they're all going to be together and they're going to be in Florida. And it's, uh, it's something we've never seen before. But then, like you said, it, it seems like a Dr. Seuss story of sorts when it, it's more <laughs> the, the, the noise, the noise, the noise, the questions, the questions, the questions. And we saw Adam Silver, he goes on TNT. And, you know, Barkley and Kenny and Shaq and Ernie, obviously, they, they go through the, the, the myriad of questions that we all have as spectators. And there are a lot of questions, like you just said, like, are we, are we social, social distancing on the bench? Are we pumping in crowd noise? Um, and if you're, you know, a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, one of the biggest benefits you have is when you play in L.A. against the Clippers, you have seven home games right. in, in theory. Like, you have at least 60%. Lakers fans are going to be in the building for the most part. That doesn't exist anymore. There are all these little caveats that make this a total different experience. And that doesn't uh, address the fact, BJ, that these basketball players are human beings, which is what I think I hope the world is all seeing this week. We're all learning. And they're going to be put in a vacuum and they're going to be put in a, in a bubble for four months. And then after they're there for four months, if you go to a, a full game seven, you have two weeks off and there's apparently going to be a training camp to start the next year, which is also very different from anything we've ever seen before. So these are obviously a lot of in a vacuum. It is good to see basketball date set in place, but there's also we want to make sure, at least in my opinion, just being a fan, I, I think sometimes in the NBA, which is different than most sports, we care more about the players specifically than maybe the teams like you may be a uh, a Kimba Walker fan but not a Celtics fan or something like that right. so you're so you're worried about you know specifically these players a Russell Westbrook fan may say I'm I don't want Russell to put himself at risk in this situation I'm I'm concerned about Russell from the outside looking in and of course you know I'm just an outsider looking in it does seem like the players it's asking a lot of the players I should say well when you look at the time frame if I can put on my ex you know athlete you know yeah. far removed from that when you're not in the proper condition is where you increase your chances to get injured and get mm -hmm. hurt. Mm -hmm. And there's no way for these players to be in that type of condition in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I think every player knows it. I think the, the, the coaches will know it. You know, normally you try to get yourself as a player, you try to build to where you can play eight to 10 to 12 minutes hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you get in better condition, you try to increase that, especially in the playoffs, right? Because most of the players will play 36 to 40-something minutes, 48 mm -hmm. minutes if needed. No one's in that type of condition. So I would try to reduce, instead of making eight-minute runs, I would try to maybe play five to six-minute runs because I think that's about all the players are going to be able to do. It looks like they're going to have to play every other day mm -hmm. if in these series, Right. Mm -hmm. Just to be able to play with that, you're going to need to work on your bench, which is going to create a different rotation, which is going to create the way the game is going to look, uh, the substitution pattern and so forth. So I think it's going to be a totally different game than what we've accustomed to doing for the NBA. But you got to do what you got to do at this point. Is there just speaking from a basketball sense, as you, as you talk about the, the way that the coaches may manipulate minutes and be able to rest guys and get them prepared? Obviously, for those first eight games, if you are kind of set in your seat, if you're the Bucks or whatever, you may, you know, get Giannis to that five or six minute rotation and slowly build him up over those eight games or something like that. But as, from a basketball standpoint, in these games themselves, if we have 
let's say, you know, some, some of the testing that happens, you may lose a player. They're not going to be obviously getting players, you know, pushed in, uh, you know, on a dime because we're going to have the inner island and all this other stuff. So if we have limited rosters in a game, let's say eight people are available, um, and then we have, like you said, the fatigue factor, like you sit out one day with rest. We, we could see some very interesting basketball games where mental mistakes could come into play. You know what I mean? It, it's a very, it, it'll, it's just a different game. Yeah, well, it is, it is a different game. And, um, you know, Tate, I, 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 if, you know, if, if I'm coaching those teams, if I'm working with those teams, I'm going to try to figure out how to play the game which more resembles a playoff style of basketball. I'm going to slow the game down. Tempo going, is like if you have a, someone like a LeBron or Kawhi, like it, it would seem like it right in this, in this world, this is perfect. The tempo being able to control the tempo of a game. Yeah. I'm going to slow the game down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play more five on five basketball, meaning I'm going to run a lot more sets than what you're traditionally seeing in today's game. Right now, you know, we have this thing, Tate pace and space. We have the tempo that we're all trying to play at. And then suddenly now, because of the conditioning, um, I'm going to have to slow the game down. I would. That's what I would do. The game more would resemble what the game would look like in the the 80s and the 90s, where you come Mm -hmm. down, you call your play, you run your set, and you try to utilize your your best defense now as your offense. I'm not taking any more quick shots (laughs) because I'm going to slow the pace of the game down, and I'm going to try to execute you, which – allows me to have my best players on the floor for extended amounts of time. Now, the playoffs, as you get deeper in the playoffs, it more resembles what the game used to be played like, but I would just do that immediately. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even worry about playing with pace and trying to get as many open shots as I possibly could because my players have no way of getting into that type of condition. So I would rely heavily on my bigs, to control the paint. I would rely heavily on trying to find a player or two that can play from the post and try to create mismatches that way where I'm going to try to get a double team from somewhere mm-hmm. on the floor with my best player hopefully getting the ball in some position below the free throw line. So that's what I would try to do to slow the game, dictate the game, and then always have my defense five against five as I'm trying to get, you know, just figuring out how I could win this. Basically, it's a tournament. Mm-hmm. because they're playing every other day or every third day or what have you, whatever the case may be. So I, I think this is going to be tough. I think the players, you know, you got to get through playing the game, recovering the game, and more importantly, you know, look, what if a player gets sick or what if a player gets injured or what have you? How many players are going to be available? Mm-hmm. I just think they're – I think these coaches are going to have to shorten the rotations. They're going to have to extend their bench. And I think you're going to have players that will be getting extended minutes because of the circumstances that, you know, maybe they were a 20 to 25 minute guy. Now some of those players will have to be extended. And some of those players, because of, you know, the way the game will be played, I think you're going to see different combinations on the floor and uh, we'll see how this turns out. But I I think the, the coaches are really put at more than anyone. I think the coaches are put at the, probably the biggest disadvantage. Because there, it's not enough time to prepare, the prepare for this situation. Because none of us know, you know, none of us know what's going to work. It's kind of like it's a game by game situation, and the coaches are going to have to actually just coach the game. Like, what's what is the, the what is the video? Mm-hmm. What's the game plan for mm-hmm. this situation? I don't think there will be, 
and um, and we'll see. I, you know, m- maybe you know there will be a team who'll figure something out as we go along. But uh, I, I think the I think the coaches are at a huge disadvantage here as they head into this tournament. And the coaches themselves, I mean, there, there was the talk that Adam Silver mentioned on that TNT call I mentioned earlier. He, he said there there's some discussion that coaches may not be on the bench for safety concerns. If there are this many or these many adjustments that are being made uh, on the fly, like you're saying, and there's not much you know scouting to be done, there's not much tape, there's not a lot of rest and recovery for players, rosters are changing, right. line, lineups are changing, and they also can't be on the bench if they, if they are Mike, you know, D'Antonio or if they are uh, you know Mike uh, uh, Greg Popovich or some of these other guys that have been mentioned they, they can't make these adjustments on the fly which is an issue right that will come down to gameplay that affects gameplay that's something that could be discussed and then you also mentioned the tournament aspect of it if there are players that are more tournament type players like a Kimba Walker that that would almost be you you would think maybe that's an advantage for a player like a Kimball Walker who has thrived in a tournament atmosphere maybe that's something that that could come into play with some of these guys and then also you know players that will have to take on bigger roles because of a potential test or an injury like we may get to learn about more players like you said it was an 80-90s game maybe there's a chance for some guys to maybe step up and, and make a name for themselves to get some more notoriety in this format um, which could be more of a half court format, which more which favors yeah, a mid range game. Like a a Siakam may come out of this, and people are like, he's one of the best players in the league. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a the, look. The possibilities are endless, um, and the reason I say with the the coaches first is because the coaches always going to look at the technical aspect of the game. Yeah, and if I could play this game just conceptually, or you know, if I could just in my mind, I'm saying the first thing I want to do is make sure that there's always five that I always have my defense set versus your against your offense. So that's the first thing that I would want to establish. The second thing is I want to establish is, okay, how do you get as many uncontested shots or as we traditionally, you know, in the NBA, you, you say advantage basketball. I want to play four against three, three against two, two against one. The only way you can do that is you have to get stops or you have to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. And one of the hardest things to do in especially in the NCAA tournament, uh, which we're accustomed or traditionally in this country, what we're used to watching, because you play on, let's say you play Thursday, Saturday. If you play Thursday and the team, say that team wins on Thursday, and then when you play on Saturday and that team extends their defense, that team is very tough to prepare for on Saturday Mm -hmm. because you don't have enough time to prepare. So... If I'm coaching, I'm going, what is the hardest thing to prepare for when you don't have time? A team that likes to press, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So when I was in college at the University of Iowa, we were a team that pressed. And because we were pressed, that's it's easy to prepare for it when you have four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you play them on Thursday. It's really hard when you play on Thursday and then you have Friday and then the game's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So the teams who go deep in the tournament, they all to me, they always have an advantage on the second and the and the second day. Mm-hmm. So if I'm playing in this league, I may play my starters one way, and then I may play my bench players another way because it's very hard to prepare versus a team that extends the defense. Because now you gotta have practice of saying we gotta have a press breaker, mm-hmm. and then we have to be able to have the right players on the floor. Then I got to have shooters on the floor because if I don't have shooters on the floor, I'll get trapped. And then I got to have the right ball handlers on the floor. So these are all of the things that the coaches have to figure out 
in three weeks. I can't say that enough. They have to be organized and play in three weeks. And then hopefully you'll find a player or two who will make a shot because, <laughs> you know, still yeah. the name of the game is to put the ball in the basket. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot that has to take place. And then these guys got to be in condition to do it, which mm-hmm. I'm tired just talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like thinking yeah. about how I got yeah. much running I have to do. I got to break the, the press and I got to get back in front of mode. I got to get the play calls. I got to do all these things. So um, there's a lot of things that are going to have to take place here. And you want to try to simplify the game for these guys because, um, you know, it sounds like it's going to be, uh, you know, once the playoffs start, you know, you know, you're down 2-0 in a series. You know, that that's going to be tough, especially in this type of environment. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, we just want to repeat again. Three weeks, Nikola Jokic, you have three weeks to get in shape. Uh, the, 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 the timeline starts now. Uh, the Nuggets He'll probably come back in the best shape of everyone, you know? He'll probably come back in the best shape of all. I know? hope so. They said James Harden is uh, in the best shape of his life. These are the these are the stories that obviously come out. You know, there, there's, either, there's no stories that someone is not in the best shape of their life. Um, so we will obviously see that all play out. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I find fascinating is some of the you mentioned the people putting up a thousand shots, some of the big men that have been shooting a lot. Um, and, and our guest for today is Sam Perkins. And he told a, a story about Mike Dunleavy and, and him going and shooting uh, back in the day with the Lakers. And I just wanted to ask you about that. Is there anyone that that you could point to like a big man that could like a Joel Embiid, like come back or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, someone that someone that comes back and, and has improved their shot, you know, substantially or, or enough to make an impact? In the three-point line, a big uh, for the bigs. This is a question for the bigs. For the big, well, you know the 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 best shooting big right now, who's a true big man, is has been Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, you know he's really extended his game to the three-point line. I would argue now that I think the game will favor a big who can actually score from the post right now. So Embiid, Embiid in the post. I, I, I think I. I th- Brooke, remember, Brooke was an all-star in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. when he played from the post. Yep. So he's a very capable low-post player. I think the game, if I'm one of these guys, I'm going back to the post. I'm I'm playing through my post. I'm just Mm -hmm. going to slow the game down because you, why have it, conditioning will be a factor here. There's no way for these players to get in that type of condition. Mm Mm-hmm. There's just not enough time. There's not enough time to do that. So you got three weeks. So let's just practice twice a day for three weeks before the first game. Well, that doesn't make sense because your best players are going to have to play extended minutes as we get to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to condition them, push them, and do all these things with the idea of having them – you don't want to have them with heavy legs when the game starts. It just – it's like – do you let them be fresh or do you practice them because we know they're in a condition? It's kind of like, you know, there's no win here. Yep. So again, you don't want anybody to get hurt. You want to have your best guys. And then on top of it, you, you know, we have COVID-19. Like what mm-hmm. if someone feels good and they have, they, they don't have any symptoms, but they, they may test or they're not feeling well that day or what have you. So um, I, I just don't know how they're going to do it. But if I had to say one thing, I'm going to the post, I'm going to slow the game down, I'm going to play inside out, and then uh, 
I'm gonna be a very happy camper because uh, I I recognize that game. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be a fun game to watch. You know, mm-hmm. maybe because you know how much I love the bigs. Maybe this is the segue to say this is how the game is going to revert back to the bigs because. If you have a big who can score from the post right now, I think you have a significant advantage. Because as an old man, you know how you always say the old man game? What's mm-hmm. the first thing you do when you mm-hmm. can't run and jump? Get down to the block. You got to get down to the box. Mm-hmm. And you got you to bump and grind a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So right now... You got to throw that butter in a little bit. Yeah, You got to get a little yeah. bit of room. Hey, right shimmy. now, hey, you got to throw a little <laughs> shimmy. Now, <laughs> so uh, you got to bump a little bit. Yeah, you you got to get off you me. Get, hey, get hey, off touch me. him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the referees are going to be like, hey, guys, clean it up in the post. You haven't heard that in a long time. So... You know, I think that's where the game. I think that's what you have to do. I don't think there's any way around it. What other plays can you run? Guys are gonna be tired. Guys aren't gonna be shooting. You know, shooters have to. They, they, it takes time. You're not just gonna be coming out there shooting threes, right? Mm-hmm. It takes time. So, you know, two weeks you could be out of. Two weeks you're out. You're you're done. Mm-hmm. You're 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 you know you, you couldn't make a shot. So. uh But so I I think that's how the game is gonna be played. I'm going to the post right now. Right now. I'm getting a little excited as I'm talking about this. There you go. Throw it throw it inside to the bigs. And, and again, Nicole Jokic, you have three weeks. Uh and, and get ready because the ball's coming inside. And uh, uh, he he could be he could be He could be secret. Secret sauce. He could be secret. Honestly, he may be <laughs> he might be he might have the best old man game in the NBA. Oh yeah. He's got yeah, he, he's he's smooth. He's a smooth operator. You know, on the block. He's yeah. like a, you know, when you think about the old man game, the guy, okay, you know that guy in the gym, he you know, he just moves a little slow at his own mm-hmm. pace. Mm-hmm. But when he, you know, I, I, he might be, he may be the MVP of this tournament. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm going with, I'm going with him. <laughs> He's the MVP of the tournament. He's got the best old man game. He's going to be bumping and grinding, mm-hmm. doing his thing, passing, and. Uh, you know what? He may be the fastest guy in the league. We, he's the only guy we don't know if he's not in shape or not because <laughs> the way he plays, he does. He's, he's not moving fast. He, he is the the epitome of deceptive speed, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. He, and, he, and he's quick. And uh, like you said, you know the no look passes, the, the the old man game, and and the the laughing after he makes a funny pass or you know fakes someone out. That that is that is Jokic, and also Nurkic. We have to mention he's back healthy. Yeah, he's uh, back. back yeah, he, he's Collins. been out for a while, right? He's he's been out for a while. Yeah, but those guys I, you know, are healthy now, apparently. So the John Wall is healthy. That's the other thing. We got players that are coming back that are healthy that make yeah, these I'd teams be, a little be, bit different. I would, I would be, I would, I would be very hesitant to put those players back on the floor in this type of environment. The reason always, being yep. is because it's just not enough time to for the, the way they're going to play. Right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I know they're healthy in the sense that they've been okay to, you know, they've been okay cleared or, to play. Yeah, you know, cleared to play. But I would be very hesitant to put these players back into this competitive environment, knowing very well that we have a quick turnaround and potentially playing 82 games here uh, as early as December. So um, I would be, you know, it sounds good, but I don't know if I would I, I, w- I would do that or, you know, depending on where the, the players physically where they stand. Last thing before we get to our, our Sam Perkins interview and when we get to talking real big stuff, uh, real big basketball stuff, I have to ask you from a draft perspective, do you think there's any impact uh, just from these games being slowed down, being played out of the post like we were talking about? If the, if the gameplay changes, do we see someone get picked different, you know, earlier in the draft, like an Obi Toppin type that is a post player? Do, do we see any significant change there or is it more, you know, pace and space type thing? 
Well, I, I think unequivocally the answer is yes. Yes. Because right. when this is a very this is a copycat league. And when you find something that works, everyone is gonna to try to duplicate it, right? You know, at one point everyone was looking for the the big, the big, the big, and suddenly there's a premium on shooting. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gotta have a shooter. Mm-hmm. I need guys who can shoot. I need stretch fours. I need stretch threes. I need stretch whatever. And so there's a premium now on shooting, pace and space, as you just alluded to. And now we have to take a look at what if the game slows down considerably over these next two or three months? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, is that the way to play? Or was this just an anomaly where everyone was just playing in this setting? Because once something works, everyone is going to imitate it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to imitate it. So, um, you know, is it, you know, we'll see how it, you know, figures it, you know, I think it's just going to, I think it's going to evolve. And, you know, the 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 skill set that the players bring, they'll have to figure it out too, because you can't come in to this type of scenario and say, you know exactly what's going to work. Yep. So th- this is going to be interesting and more, more importantly, uh, I'm just going to be looking to see where the advantages are on the floor. Yep. And I think the advantage is going to lie with the guy who can catch the ball in an operating area, and that operating area will be on the block. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the game incredibly simple. I'm going to give Jokic 50 touches on the block. I think the game will resemble what the old Houston Rockets used to play through a king. Mm-hmm. Just play through a king, and then let's see what happens. And let's live the dream. Yeah, play through a <laughs> king. Let's, let's live the dream. Let's let's put four guys on the perimeter, put our best player on the box, mm-hmm. and then and we're going to be opportunistic on the break, and then we're going to play from our guy because uh, you got to be able to pass the ball because I don't think there there's going to be much running <laughs> yeah. as we get to this. We we need more play out of the post and and again, we need we need more smooth operators, uh more more big men and, and one of those guys is big smooth himself, Sam Perkins. And here we go. We got Sam Perkins live from Chicago at the 69th NBA All-Star Game. A legend, Mr. Sam Perkins. It's smooth. All right, we are here uh, at NBA All-Star Game. We are again with the legends uh with the Retired Players Association. Yeah, yeah, and we're, legend, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a real legend, and uh, a guy from North Carolina, a kid that looked up to the '82 team, and a man that looked up to a, a, a star. You know, not James Worley, not Michael Jordan, but the, the man that really mattered, of course, Mr. Sam Perkins. Sam Perkins, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Doing well, very well. Thank you. Well, well Perk, I gotta get right to it. I gotta get right to it. You were so ahead of your time as far as being a stretch four, stretch five, and stretch this. You were shooting threes before we knew what it was, right? <laughs> And looking at today's game as a big, what would you do in today's game? Because you was doing this in the eighties. I mean, I mean, look, we did it back then. I'm gonna tell you, I, I used to shoot with Byron Scott and Mike Dunleavy. That's how I got to shooting threes, because you know every you know how practice go: big men down there, guards <laughs> down on the other side. So when I finished my my duties down on the big man moves, I always passed them. And Mike Dunleavy said one day, come get some of this young fella. So with that in mind. Classic uh, Duke thing to say, by the way. Yeah, yeah, come get some of this. 
and him and Byron Scott were going at it all the time because Mike was still a coach. He was our right. coach at the Lakers, and he um, he he was always still trying to play, still play shoot around like you know like a player. But I did get some of that, and they, and you know we went around the horn. That means translation for our listeners: you were losing. Yeah, was, <laughs> we went around the horn, ten shots. You know how they go yep. around the horn, ten shots, and they would and if you keep making them. You keep, if you make them, you keep going around all until you miss. Well, I missed my first shot, and they went and they schooled, they schooled me, and they went all the way around and all the way back, and I never really got a shot off. So as time went on, I started moving around and le- leaving them, and now it was more competitive each time because I always look forward to coming from the big man <laughs> down to where they were. So um, point point taken is that um, that's how I started shooting threes with Byron and uh, Mike Dunleavy, and and incorporated George Carl in the next move into Seattle, he didn't play like a, he didn't have centers, almost similar to what they do now. And he opened up the floor. And in the Western Conference, they were all big men. Duncan, Elijah Juan, Eaton, so on and so on. And so we, that's how we played. And so every time I was trailer, the big man normally goes to the hoop to stop Gary or whomever the penetration, and here I am left up on the arc of the three. So it was more of an incorporated strategy than it is today. Everybody's shooting it now, so it's it's more warranted to to shoot the three now because that's how the game is. And I probably would have fit in there somewhere. So I would have had <laughs> I would have had fifteen attempts by now. You know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would I would have had easy. Easy twenty five, you, you know, any given <laughs> night. But I mean, if I had made them, but right. but it, it, the game has changed to the point where that's all they want now. So um, with analytics, and I mean, you have more chances to win a game if you shoot shoot those threes than you do a two. So, but that's how it was, and that's how that's how I started doing that. It does seem like everyone wants to give someone else the credit for the three point revolution. Like we've heard Rick Pitino in Providence, right? They were the ones that started it. We've heard, you know, the running gun offense. We've heard, you know, Nelly Ball, Don Nelson was the one that wanted to shoot threes. But in reality, you're one of the OGs, like you said, one of the guys that first started shooting threes. So do you want credit? Do you want to put it out there? Or are you kinda of like being, you know, yourself kind of Well, low-key? you look on why do I want credit for that? <laughs> I mean I mean it, it seems like as I'm seeing, uh, it's almost like you're getting licensed to shoot threes, whether you shoot threes or not. Right. So I wasn't. I don't think I was efficient enough or that that bad, but it, I was more effective with it because it came at a time where it just killed your killed a team's run or something like that, or put the dagger in. Somebody just shot a two. Somebody another shot a two, and all of a sudden a, a big man shoots a three. I mean, Dirk Nowinski shot him. Mm-hmm. Terry Mills shot him. Yep. I shot him. So. I mean, there was some other guys doing that as well, but not as many as today. Because, I mean, today they just all over the place, but I don't know how effective it is because you're shooting them, you're shooting them, and I mean, you win games. The games are now like 125, 130, right. you know, something like that. And guys can easily, like I said, if I, can, if I got 10 up, I can easily score 25. And you see guys now, guys who are not scorers are scoring like, 30 points a game, you know, every, every any given night. So, I mean, that's how it is. But I don't want no credit for that. No credit? <laughs> hey, Frank, over the years, and you and I have known each other for quite some time, I've always wanted to ask you this. How does a kid from New York choose the University of North Carolina? I mean, you've played 
you know, one of the great legendary coaches, one of the greatest men I've ever met right. in this business, and Dean Smith. How did you choose that, and what was your relationship with with Coach Smith? Okay, so there's so many stories choosing choosing the college at that time because uh, we narrowed my father. When I say we, my father and I narrowed it down to like five, six colleges, and. Um, there was like all kinds of letters you would know, you know, all kinds of letters coming at you. And we just, we, we went we went close by, which was Syracuse. We went far, which was UCLA. And we, we went medium with uh, North Carolina. And there, and there was some others, USF and Duke and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So- um, Yeah, just forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to visit Duke, by the way, too. But, um, and Digger Phelps. Mm. And um, so we narrowed it down to, uh, North Carolina and UCLA and Syracuse. But I actually had a chance to meet Dean Smith uh, in the Pan Am games, Pan American games. Mm -hmm. And uh, he walked by, and he, instead of doing the saying hello, greet you, he just nodded his head to make sure I saw him. He walked in my path. I was stretching and he was going across, I, like from here to there and I was in the middle stretching and I met him and he nodded. And I asked somebody who was that, and they said, that's Dean Smith. And I never knew, I mean, I knew of him, but I never really, you know, saw him. So I started my visits, and uh, the visits I went to were okay, but this one was special because James Worthy took me out. Oh. You know, he was my host. Oh, wow. So he was my host, and my ended up being my roommate. But, um, so he was my host at the time, and he took me all over the place. and. I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, a kid coming out of out of high school, uh, he 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 had this girl with him. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he got a game. Okay, so, <laughs> and she and she was a Southern thing, and um, and I'm a New Yorker, so I don't know anything about Southern girls and anything. Pretty pretty girl. And next thing I know, um, she showed me she showed me around, and he had me. I had a good time with the whole the whole trip itself, the, the visit to the school, talking to Dean Smith, and that's what got me because everybody else was talking about basketball and and everything else, but Coach Smith was talking about getting an education. He knew my family history. He knew I would be the first one to get a degree out of my family, and my grandmother and so on would be proud, and nobody else was talking about that. So. I finally picked them, and Beheim was just pissed at me, you know. Sir. Probably still is. Oh yeah, he was. And I, that's another story too. But um, I finally, I went to school, and I went, I, when I got there, so to, going back to that girl. <laughs> always goes back to. The, it always goes back there. That was that was his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you were set up. I was man. crying. <laughs> I was. I was crying. I was like, <laughs> that was his girl. I said, okay. So he got me on that one. But but the school the school visit was probably one of the nicest ones I, I ever visited. And uh, and when he asked me those questions about school. Um, and getting an education because I wasn't all that great in high school, but uh, enough to make you know go to college there. But he uh, he emphasized getting a degree and all those things, and that 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 was most appealing to me. But the most frightening thing frightening thing to uh, to get because I didn't know sure how well I would do from another institute to another to another institute. So um, that was what got me. Everybody else was talking about basketball. 
what you can do here on the court and things of that nature and getting a job. But uh, and besides UCLA, uh, Larry Brown, I asked him, he was at UCLA at the time, He had, I asked him, and he was known for jumping around. <laughs> and I asked him, was he gonna be here? He said, you got anything to ask, um, ask me? And I said, uh, well, will you be here for four years? He says, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> so. I respect the honesty, you know I mean? <laughs> when he said that, and I didn't really know, I didn't know at the time he went to North Carolina. And he would have told you the time he went to Kansas. Right, yeah, yeah. But I think he pushed me because he knew my my next step was North Carolina. Mm. And with him being honest and he just, I think he really wanted me to go to North Carolina because he was not going to be at UCLA. So I kind of thought back about it a little bit. And uh, when he said that, my next visit was actually North Carolina. Yeah, we talk about this, uh, BJ and I, about all these coaches right in college basketball. They seem timeless. Like you're, you're mentioning all these guys, like Coach K and Jim Beheim. Like they're still around and right. they're still in the college basketball ether. So when you tune back into college basketball, does it trip you out to see like there's still 18 year old kids still going into Duke the same way that you were going, at, you know, into North Carolina back in the 80s? Yeah, well, they, if they, the, the the visits are probably more hype now. I think there's more girlfriends around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, somebody's not taking, so <laughs> I mean, but um, uh, when I see Beheim and I see all of them, Coach K, and uh, I mean, my favorite guy off the, uh, he's, I don't think he's, he's not coaching anymore, was Lefty Drizel. Oh, he's the best. Oh, uh, Maryland. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was the funniest, you know, he would, he would, he would say something like Coach, Coach, Coach Williams, I mean, Coach Smith has all the, all the refs in his pockets, or he would say something like, "You cheater, you cheat." Every game, because he he couldn't he couldn't win at Carolina. Yeah. He just I was at the scores table one time. He said, "You a cheat, you a cheat," but he so he was so comedic that uh, it, it was just one of those things I just kind of liked about him. But um, these coaches now, I mean, they come and go. But mm -hmm. Bayham and the ones that that really, because I thought he was gonna retire for a minute or leave for a minute, but. Uh, these guys are still putting the effort in and, and having young kids. I'm sure the game has so much changed that they have to change their style of, 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 of coaching so that they can adapt to some of these kids' attitudes and the demeanors and stuff like that. Hey, Parker, you know, you know, you and I have a, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who know of him and then there are people who know, really know Michael, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know him and I had an opportunity to spend many years with him and then I, I asked him this question, and I want to ask you the same question. I asked him who was the greatest player he's ever played against one time. We were just talking about basketball. Mm -hmm. And he would always mention Len Bias. Right. And I asked him why. He said, because Len Bias was me at 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, mm -hmm. How good was Len Bias? I had a chance to see him. He was a fun, I mean, he was an incredible athlete. But you being a big playing against him, being in the same conference. How good was Len Bias? Well, first of all, Michael's right. That's probably one of the best players he played against because it was a matchup. You know, as as the game was going on, we played Maryland at uh, at uh, Carolina, Carmichael. Excuse me. He, um, we th it was almost like on the, it was like one, it was like Michael going versus Michael, you know, Bias, you know, versus himself. And Bias was maybe a little bigger than him. Yep. And maybe a little stronger than him. But they had the tenacity of each other's 
you know, the competitiveness, the edge and all that. And um, that was one of the good matchups I've ever seen. Because, really? Yeah, I mean, really, uh, at, in college because you had two aspiring uh, small forwards or shooting guards or whatever, and Bias could actually match whatever Michael dished out or and Michael and vice versa. So I really thought that that was one of the premier and, and it's a shame that it never got to where it should have been. But that was in the lines of Kobe as well, because these were these guys were so athletic and had such a com strong competitive edge to each other that they didn't want to lose. But bias, I mean, you can't say enough about bias. I mean, you know, you know, yeah, Jordan, yeah, 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 but Len sure. Lenny, but. Um, I didn't know him. I shook his hand and said, good game or whatever. But that's the closest I got to know him. But he would have been a monster in, in the league if, if, if things do you, happened. Do you remember in 84 when Jordan at the end of the game did the cradle dunk at Maryland? When you guys right. were up and Coach Smith apologized and left Drizelle and he got mad at Michael after the game for doing right, that right, for right. showboating. Do you remember that moment? Did, was that something you were like, oh, this kid's a little well, bit different? When he did that, 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 that symbolized that it was almost like he was Mike Jordan before that, but he mm -hmm. became Michael Jordan after that because it, it was a. It, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but Coach Smith had us playing, just playing. Mm -hmm. And if anybody, they kept saying like, only person that can stop Jordan is from scoring twenty points right, is, is, is Dean. So, but we played so tight, and then I, I remember the shot got blocked, and he went on and did that windmill dunk, and. Everybody just was stunned at it. You know, we knew we can do it because we saw it in the, in the practice. And our practices were like games and just similar to games. I mean, the game became easy, but the practices, they were war, you know, because of the fact we didn't, the game was six and nobody wanted each other to score. So I'm going against Worthy, Worthy's going against me, Michael's going against whomever, but. Darty or whoever. Jimmy Black, <laughs> you go down the line. <laughs> We we were tenacious. We didn't want to want we didn't want to run the thirty lines, mm -hmm. thirty crossings, and so with that what that in mind and with some other things that we had to do, the games were real. I mean, the practices were real tough, and that's that's how we got so competitive because we knew he was he was getting us ready for games because everybody wanted to beat us at that time, and we had a bullseye on our back from down from Clemson all the way down to Georgia Tech, you know, or or in, and then in the tournament against Indiana in, they in, played in it. yeah. Everybody so when everybody bum rushed the crowd, uh bum rushed the floor if they won, it was like, you know, like we won the championship against North Carolina. But it was only one game. So and we didn't shake hands back then either. So we would never <laughs> I mean that's how the mentality was that the, the that's how it was. So I mean that's 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 what North Carolina was all about. Well Perk it's a pleasure. We could talk to you all day. We know I mean, you're busy all here. all kinds of stories, man. Yeah, right? and uh, no, I've always wanted to ask you that. I've never said that because, you know, it, he, he just kind of said it one day. And uh, it was great to hear. And, uh, hey, I'm so happy for you and proud of everything you did in your career. And uh, appreciate you taking time to stop through. Oh, and, no problem. Talk, I, I appreciate uh, you, BJ. Chop it up with everybody. us a little bit. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Man. All right, there you have it. Thank you again to uh, 
uh, to Sam Perkins for coming on. Uh, BJ, that, that was, it feels like a lifetime ago in Chicago. Uh, you, myself, Midas, our producer, uh, going all around Chicago, talking to legends uh, of the game and, and to people from your era. And it's obviously, Sam Perkins is one of those guys I looked up to uh, growing up being a North Carolina fan, and it was great to have him on. And uh, he's just as chill and cool as you would, uh, as you would expect. Yeah, a, tr- a true gentleman, had a fabulous career, was a stretch four, stretch five before we knew what a we stretch four We didn't even know what that stretch. was. Yeah, he was just you know, different. He, he was way ahead of his time. And, uh, you know, it was great to see him because he's played against some marvelous players. I mean, he played against, you know, the late Len Bias. Mm-hmm. He played against, you know, uh, Ralph Sampson. You know, the ACC just had great player after great player after great player play, you know, with, you know, Michael Jordan and all of those players there. One of my favorite players at North Carolina was Jimmy Black. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Black's the man. Jimmy Black, that was like like one of my guys that I looked up to, Jimmy Black. Um, So, you know, those were, uh, you know, that that was a great era, a great time. And Sam Perkins, he was a very unique player. And um, what a great career he had played against him again in the finals when he was with the Lakers and I was with the Bulls. So, uh, you know, appreciation, much respect, much love to him for coming on the show. Well, there you have it, pushing through. We appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back later this week. Uh, We'll see you soon.